Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard the Gilded Lily. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, we sit down here at our desks, pick up a quill, and pretend to be someone we're not, using these uh, funny-shaped rocks with numbers on them. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. This one here is about a few college roommates who abandon higher education and accidentally become pirates. Well, hopefully the good kind. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. We loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories independent of the lore and problematic content that often comes with these Dungeons & Dragons as you pull them out of the box. In short, it just means that we use dice to decide what happens next to our funny little characters. What adventures will our rascals get into this week? Well, let's roll some dice and find out. Together. While O'Reilly swims in the depths of this wrecked ship, our view settles in the comfortable living quarters of one Vapa Malor. On her shabby oak desk, a compass twitches lazily with the bobbing of the anchored lily, as it sits at anchor during their salvage operation. Just behind the desk, the modest teal curtains blocking the porthole shift with a sudden breeze, and on her desk, we see the ship's crew log below open, guided by an unseen hand. Its black feathered pen animates, dipping into its inkwell, and it begins to write. Vapa, I have researched the creature you speak of. Lucidian has tangled with it before, and has advised that it is in fact a dangerous foe. Our intel indicates it was under the control of one of ours, Finn, from the Bluster Squall, though they have since gone missing. Provide any intel you can about the wreck, and... Finn's whereabouts, if that were to come up. The Silver Queen has requested it herself. Tell no one. I will probe our resources from the Evertide and see if they know anything. From here, as the book quickly blows shut in the breeze and the pen returns to its holding station, our view pulls past the fluttering cyan curtains out across the open sea, then dips gently beneath the waves of the Bismuth Channel towards a small wizard, swimming alone into unseen danger, staring face to face with the decaying face of his long-dead teacher. Um, hmm. Uh, one of his teachers, who shall not be named, or named later, I don't know. Uh, um, Let's go to the name chart. Do you want cool or do you want dumb? Uh, I want... I want dumb. I always want dumb. Why do I want something cool? 
you this this te- this particular teacher did great on you because his name was Slappy McCracken. <laughs> Thank you, whoever provided that name and refused to give a credit. Um, you are a true <laughs> hero. <laughs> so Slappy McCracken, he's. I, I was about to say he's gaunt, but he's not gaunt anymore. He's actually a very chubby fellow, very old, very <laughs> wrinkly. He's got the biggest bald spot on his head, but he refuses to just go bald. And it's kind of weird because his hair is kind of like that friar's hair, but he likes oh. to kind of slick it in a way that almost kind of looks like tentacles dangling off of his head. Uh, it's very weird. So Slappy McCracken really earned his name. <laughs> but is it like the, his his real name or is it what the students no. called him and you you don't actually know what his name we is? We don't know. I love that it's not his name and it's what people call him because of his hair and maybe he really, really hates it. He loved <laughs> to drink super black coffee. Just super dark, super strong coffee. Kind of like ink. It's weird. Um, and so you looking at this, you recognize, oh my God, that's my, that's one of my teachers. Slappy? And you look at the ring and you remember in class a day where he was bragging about this magic ring that he had imported from the Valley of Ashmore, where stones exist that can harness the power of the sun to make your magic stronger. And on his hand, you see a light wave ring and it's, it's got this black twisted metal that acts as the band and clasped in like a kind of a claw foot. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, I want to say mount, but that's not the right word. Set, set. The word is set. Yeah, <laughs> it's set in a little claw pattern is this large orange gemstone. Maybe about the size of, in our world, let's just say a, the size of a D20 is set into the ring. It's big and gaudy and kind of gross. But you know what it can do. Um, unless you'd like to cast Identify on it. Because your teacher did brag about it, he might have also been lying. Uh, there's no time for that. Uh, it probably isn't so bad. Uh, sorry. And he tries to take the ring off and grab it. Okay, uh, you don't need to roll anything because it's his hand is kind of drifting there. You gently take the ring off, um, and you can still feel that aura of power. And I guess you put uh, pocket it. Yeah, I rolled an eighteen anyway, just, oh, just for funsies. Just a well, athletics just to pull fun- it off. Well, just for funsies. What check is it? Because uh, if it, if it's athletics, something funny is about to happen. I mean, I'm always oh, no. down for fun. Okay, you reach forward and kind of grab his hand, and then put your you know, your index finger and your thumb on the ring to give it a pull and a twist, and you pull way too hard, and you just hear as the hand snaps off and pulls your way. And he'll say, sorry! Again. And with that, as as the hand drifts off, and you've kind of disturbed the corpse, you see um, another ring as this person's body has been jostled, gently drift out of their pocket. This one is just a steel ring with a smoky black piece of quartz um, set in the top of it. Similar design as the light wave ring you have. Uh, uh, well, I'll I'll take it. Okay. And I I have his hand. Yeah. 
I, I put it on I put it on another finger actually <laughs> and take the hand. <laughs> you pocket put it in your bag. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's so now the hand's got two two rings on it and I put okay. it in my bag. Um and I will I'll swim back up to the abjuration magic. Okay. Um so you swim up and find um through the hole that you've made. As you pop your head through the floor, you kind of jump a little as another sailor is kind of swimming past you. They give you a wave. Hi. And through the warbled water, you hear, find anything good? And I will mime, oh, one, one second, and I'll take out the hand. <laughs> it's like really like proud of myself, like pointing at it, like thumbs up, like, yes. Oh my God, please yes, tell me the hand is giving a thumbs up. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> No, I don't want to. No, that's too more fine. You, you just is. see a disgusted look on their face, and their their hands are kind of like up in the air, like why? I point at the two rings on its finger, fingers. They see it, the the sailor sees it and nods in recognition and gives you a thumbs up and swims further down the hallway. Like you see that you see him um, <laughs> kick open a door, and is like go, goes inside for a minute, and then off to your left is the door that leads to a room where this abjuration magic is hiding out. You're coming right up on the end of your detect magic spell at this point. I'll quickly enter. I'll uh, enter and look for this thing. Whatever it is. So you try the door. It is locked. Oh, man. Uh, okay. What do I got? I don't have much. Uh, I don't have much. You have three hands. <laughs> I do have three hands. Um... <laughs> That doesn't help me though. <laughs> it's still great. I will. Okay, that's not the best idea. That's a dumb idea. That's a dumb idea. Oh, oh wait, hold on a second. I like dumb ideas. I I have an idea. I will use the cantrip chill touch. To what? And, because it says it makes a ghostly skeletal hand, and to try and break the doorknob, I guess. Oh, like freeze it. To, okay. Well, it does necrotic damage, so I don't know. But mm. I was just like, oh, chill touch. It creates a skeletal hand. And I'm like, could I actually like, mess around with the hand? Roll me, roll me damage first. Because okay, what okay. makes the, the chill touch does damage is when it touches things. Okay. 1d8. Where's my dumb little thingy? Okay, this one. Please be good. A three. Ugh. Okay, so the hand just kind of reaches forward for the doorknob and squeezes, and as it does, you watch um, these black-green lines of necrotic energy start to tear into the wood, and it starts to rot around the door handle. It hasn't done enough damage to break it off, but it's on the way. You can try something else, or you can keep going with this, and I'll say if you do keep going with this, you'll, just, you'll eventually get it. Um, I would, at that point try and use frostbite on the doorknob and then okay. try and break it. Yeah. Um, with enough time, I'm not going to make you keep rolling damage. Um, the threshold for this was eight, which you'll do relatively quickly. Um, what does it look like as you bash, use your magic to basically break the door around this lock? Um, well, it's rotted wood at this point, um, so he will just point at the doorknob and let go a frostbite so mm -hmm. it kind of just like freezes over a big, decent section of that, the handle, the lock, and a little bit of the door. And he's a little apprehensive at first, 
but he takes his forearm and he's just like, oh, okay, uh, and kind of with his robe trying to protect his arm from the frost, uh, just kind of as hard and as fast as he can just like slam down on the doorknob and it, it breaks more than he actually thought it would. Yeah, I like this. Um, so you, using this amount of leverage you've created with the magic spells, you've rotted out the wood and you've frozen it and you just give it one hard like shoulder check or like a kick, what were you saying? Or are you just trying to use your arm? Oh yeah, he's just using his forearm to, because I, I assume it's like a regular like protruding doorknob. Yeah, yeah. And he just uses his forearm because he thinks it's going to hurt him or be super cold. So he like covers his arm as much as he can in his robes and just kind of pushes down on it like super, not fast because it's water, but as hard and as fast as he can. And it kind of just breaks the door. Yeah. So you push down on it and you hear the wood break and splinter around the lock. And as you push down, you notice that the angle that you're hitting this at causes the, causes it to snap off the door a bit. But the lock gets lodged in place, but the door now swings open gently because you've basically broke the lock and the mechanism out of the door. <laughs> so it's still technically locked. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But the door is has swung free. Um, and inside, you see first a porthole window looking out into the deep ocean beyond. This small um, luxury, luxury suite has been thrown into, into disarray by the crash of this ship. There are very fine silken linens that have been waterlogged and ruined floating across the room, a satin pillow that has been torn apart, and there's down feathers and stuffing just kind of floating in the water in the space. And floating, propped up against the wall, um, against the ceiling, actually, of this room, is a, a small black chest, probably about a foot and a half across, and it's glowing with abjuration magic. Um, can you roll me a nature check? Or intelligence? Probably intelligence is what I'll go for. Uh, nature, it's a 20. I rolled an 18. Yeah, so you're looking at the chest and you're like, that's weird. Everything else is kind of drifting or sunken to the bottom of the ship, but that's floating. It's probably water sealed. There's air in that chest. Best not to open that now. Um, I'll quickly grab it and put it in my bag. Okay. Um, so with all these magic goods, just roll me... Actually, I'm not even going to make you roll a perception check. What would you like to do? Uh, now? yeah, because I was going to ask how how much longer on my, uh, on my detect magic. I think it'd be cool at this point if you go to look around again with your glasses. And as you look around, you look down at the floor beneath you across the hall to the other rooms and you look back down at your bag and realize that the magic signatures that you would be able to detect in your bag have vanished the spell is okay okay yeah because um yeah at that point he would be like looking kind of frantically because he's like i know that my spell is going to be gone very soon so he's like looking around and he's like wait oh it's 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 gone Uh, Mm -hmm. okay um gonna go back out and actually close the door too um courteous uh <laughs> you close it look at it satisfied it. and it gently swings open again because the ship is at an angle and the door is just swinging inwards just looks at the door for like a couple seconds weird it just 
takes the L, and he'll go uh, find the the gentleman that went down the hall a little bit. Okay, um, roll me a, hmm, nah, I'm not going to make you roll. Um, you make so, your way down the hall, and you find him um, around the other side of the bend. So, like, basically on the opposite right, set of rooms. You. Yeah, he's yeah. at the last room kicking down a door, and he pries it open. Um, and you see him swim out with what looks to be a, a big, big, big rectangle. Um, and he looks at you and, like, waves and is pointing at this rectangle. And then he realizes you can't see it, and he flips it around, and you can see it's a a, a very nice looking painting. Hmm. Would you like to maybe uh, describe what it is? Where what floor are we on again? It's just uh, quarters, or it's like nice quarters. This is the nice quarters. So if you were on the top of the ship, right, you have the main deck, the okay. the guest quarters. So this would be like the top slice of the sandwich. Ah, so this is like the guest quarters. Then. Yeah, you're in the guest quarters. The painting is of it's a it's a family painting. It's a family painting. It's got, you know um oddly enough though, the the dad of the painting is well built, beautiful um mutton chops like into a mustache. I don't know what that would be called technically but it's must and chops into a mustache but he's a little separated from his family and then there's the mom and uh two kids by themselves like just a little bit apart but you can tell he's kind of separated from them foreground background ish so it's like well those kind of rich formal family portraits but like you can clearly tell that there's a there's some distance between the father figure and the rest of the family i like that Um, it was it's weird because the painting is the family is not as formal as the husband uh, the husband okay. actually kind of looks kind of looks that like he had to be painted in oh okay i like i like the subtle story that you just weave there um and yeah so this this painting is kind of like looking back at you it looks like it's well made and the the crew member in front of you Let's call them Stephen. <coughs> Let's call him Stephen. Um, he's kind of grinning and he smiles and he's missing a tooth. And he like looks at you and like moves his hand like he's gesturing. Uh, you good? Two thumbs up and a big smile. He he points up and turns around and starts to swim away with the painting towards the out of the ship and towards the rowboats. Um, would. Riley know where the captain's quarter is on this ship yeah like a general area that he would understand you've never been on a ship before and you don't know the layout of this one (laughs) yeah except Um, the gilded lily roll me a just roll me a d20 don't use your bonus add your intelligence maybe it's something you've read or something you've heard about because this ship is actually a historic ship. You might have read about it. Uh, ten. Uh, you vaguely. I re-rolled because I picked it up and I didn't real. I didn't know what number was up top. So. You you vaguely remember reading about it, but off the top of your head, you don't remember reading about the like seeing any schematics of the ship. But um, and you don't quite rem- you don't quite understand where you'd have to find the captain's thing. You'd have to do an investigation. 
like a, a deeper swim. How long has it been since we, since uh, the water breathing? Because I know uh, that lasts that's an eight hour. hours. You're fine. Oh, I thought it was an hour. Okay, then yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll keep. I'll do a, a deeper investigation for that. Okay. Um. So while you swim deeper into the ship, I want to cut away to Yuana. <laughs> Our camera view pulls away and drifts further and further away from the shipwreck as it blurs away from our view. And we hard cut in to the deck of the ship. Yuana, you have just finished assembling this thing with the help of Susanna and a few other of the, you know, nameless crew members that work and sleep and gamble aboard the Gilded Lily. And someone surfaces down below and you can hear kind of them yelling up. And Kothak leans over the deck of the ship. I'll join him. You see one of the sailors of the ship kind of swimming in the water. Her hair is kind of like almost buzz cut, very close to her head. And she's looking up to you, half elven, pointed ears, brown skin, deep brown eyes. She's looking up to all of you and she goes, We might need the, we might need the winch down below about 100 feet. Uh, there's a whole uh, pile of casks. From the looks of it, wine? Probably expensive. I would easily say nine, ten casks maybe. Kothak. All right, um, Neil, can you start to lower the winch? You hear him mutter the sound of recognition, and he lets his hand go on the wheel, and it drops the chain along with the hook down into the water below. And this sailor, she swims over and grabs the hook and starts swimming down with it, and you can watch it slowly being pulled along. Yana, can you roll me a perception check? I can. I am not good at those. (laughs) Uh, six. Six. Yeah, it, it seems fine. Fantastic. The chain is kind of rolling along the handful of metal wheels that act as kind of the pulley system for this winch. I'm going to ask Kothak, do you need me up here to try and pull those casks up, or do you need me down there to help load them up? Um, your, your call, I think. Either is useful, wherever you think you're most valuable. Up here's good, but we got Neil, we have a lot of hands. If you want to help down there, feel free. Sure. Okay. Can we assume that the water breathing was... Was it cast on me or not? It wasn't, but I think we're fine to do a retroactive here. Okay, because if it wasn't, I'm not going to dive to the bottom of the sea because that could end poorly. But if it was, definitely. So I'm going to just, you know, dive. Ooh, you've just given me an opportunity. Oh, no. No, no, this is good. This is good. So you hop over the side of the ship and just drop down into the water. It's maybe about 10 feet. I'm not going to make you roll any damage or anything like that. And you plop in. I mean, I know how to dive. Mm-hmm. I can like, you know, head first, like graceful oh, yeah. dive from this. the side of the ship. I can do that. And as I do, I'm going to cast light on like some small object that I have on me and like have it in my hand because I can't see shit in darkness. And at the bottom in the wreckage, it's probably going to be quite dark. Mm-hmm. Good call. So you cast light on this. What color is the light? I think it's going to be like slightly greenish Ooh. like the light that's like filtered through the leaves and the trees oh, I grew beautiful. up in the jungle so that makes sense yeah so you do a graceful dive into the water and as you land in you can see that it's very clear here and the green light of your spell kind of penetrates pretty far and about 30-40 feet away you can see this other diver swimming down below with the hook and the chain what do you do? I join her and, like, ask her, where are we taking this? As you swim down to join her, she's kind of down at the bottom in the sand, and you can see that it looks like there was a fairly large pallet of casks that has kind of fallen away from the ship and sunken down into the sand. And 
she looks at you and says, um, I'm hoping we can salvage some of these ropes down here and fashion it up like a bundle and use the hook to lift it out. Can I look? Because this was a sailing ship, right? The one that sunk. Yeah. Is there like pieces of sail or something that we could use, like a net mm. to load up the cask and, and connect them to the hook? Roll me an investigation check, definitely. Oh, damn. I'm not really great. Okay, 14. Oh, that's fine. So looking around and surveying the area, you see there are broken bits of wood everywhere. Some bits where you can see that there are pieces of mast sticking out of the sand at the bottom. And you notice that the sand is laying odd. It's very, like, textured and warbly in a particular spot around a mast. And as you get closer, you can see that close to the mast itself, you can see some of a sail. It's it's shining in this kind of vibrant sky blue color. It's peeking out from under the sand as if the mast fell down here, the sail ripped off, and the sand just kind of settled on top of it. Okay, so I would like to kind of try to use this ripped and destroyed sail to help the sailor who came down with me to fashion some kind of a net to load up the casks. And I will be focusing on the heavy lifting and I will be like leaving the more delicate and precise things to her. Okay, awesome. I like this. So the two of you work together to rip this sail up to fashion it in like a bundle that you can roll the casks onto for being so clever with that. While you're pulling the sail up, you notice it gets caught on something, you're like, oh, crap, and you cut around where it's caught. And when you break it free, you see that it was actually wrapped around something. Ooh, what's that? You grab the blue sail and pull it back, and you see something very familiar. A handful of broken stone rings carved with enchantment runes. These are fragments of another arcane cannon. Looking underneath the sail and in the wreckage, you can see some of these rings are the same size. And the cannon you have, the rings slowly get smaller and smaller as the cannon mm -hmm. thins out. There's probably parts for more than one cannon in this wreckage, and you just found it, draped underneath the sail and buried beneath the sand. Can I maybe take the pieces that are not smashed? I mean, I assume it's not like a fully operational, full one complete cannon with all the parts. You said smashed and broken, right? Mm -hmm. So if there are any elements and parts of it that are not broken, I'm kind of, I basically I'm looking for spare parts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So looking through the wreckage, you find, roll me a D4, we'll call it. D4. Okay. Four. Four. Yeah. So you find four rings of varying sizes that are in good shape among the wreckage. And while this is happening behind you, this other sailor, let's give her a name. Milshen. I like that. Can you spell it? M-I-L-S-H-E-N. Provided by Poems by Cheyenne from Twitter. Ooh, thank, thank you, Cheyenne. You. Thank you. She has submitted so many awesome names to this show. Behind you, Milshin is, she's treading in the water and taking the bits of sail and just rolling the casks of ale onto the sail to make like a bundle. What would you like to do, Ioana? I would like to add the pieces of the arcane cannon that I salvaged to the bundle and help her with the heavy casks. Okay, so together over the next 10 minutes or so, the both of you manage to get all of the goods into this bundle. How would you like to secure it to try and get the chain 
to be able to hook into it without really destroying it. Mm -hmm. Probably like using ropes and cutting some holes and like using the rope to tie it up so that everything can go through it. That is probably going to be some improvised and not very sturdy thing, but it's in the water. So I'm hoping that it's going to help lift it up without breaking things apart and tearing them. Okay. So with that in mind, you kind of make this makeshift almost like a, <laughs> I'm imagining like a bindle with a little yeah, blanket bag. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. You and Milshin work together. Like giants, giants, sea, storm giants bindle. Yep. <laughs> the two of you work together to get this bindle kind of made up and wrapped up with the casks of ale and the broken pieces of cannon. And you get the hook pretty affixed in there. Ooh, I rolled really good. That's good for you. <laughs> I just rolled a d20 to see how well this goes. So at this point, with the package secured and all wrapped up, what would you like to do? I would like to uh, turn to Milshin and say, can you stay with it down here to make sure that nothing unravels and I will go up and help them pull it out? Milshin looks to you. I can do that. If uh, anything goes wrong, I'll give the chain a tug from our end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you need us to jump in and help you, we can do that. Absolutely. I'll, I'll keep an eye on it. Do you need the light? That would be helpful. Yeah. Okay. I give her like a little scrap of fabric that I had tied around my wrist and I cast light on it. So I give it to her and I say, it's going to glow like this for an hour. I don't need it on the surface. And I go swimming. She nods. Thank you. And takes it and kind of actually takes like the piece of cloth you have wrapped around her wrist and kind of wraps it around her neck like a, almost like a bandana. <laughs> she has a glowy bandana right now. And as you swim away, you can see the kind of shimmering green light from her bandana shrink as you get closer and closer to the surface and you break the water. The waves around you are starting to get a little rougher. You notice that as you surface, there are clouds overhead that are kind of moving in your direction. They're dark. Oh no. What would you like to do? Get back on deck. Is Kothak still standing there at the side of the ship? Yep, he's standing there kind of surveying. He's currently talking with another crew member. I'm going to turn to him and say, we secured the casks. They're also, they had arcane cannons. I've loaded the pieces that were not broken along with the casks. And Milshin is staying down there to make sure it's secure. We can pull up. Arca arcane cannons? Yeah. That's a strange Several. coincidence. More than one. All right. I've never even seen these things before. And this, sh this ship had more than one of them. Okay. That's really good find. He turns and yells to Neil, start the crank, pull it up. And you hear the winch begin to turn. Can you roll me a perception check? Sure. Okay, that is not horrible. 14. With a 14, you're sitting here kind of treading water, and you can see the chain is being pulled slowly, slowly. And you're looking up at it, and something about it catches your eye. You can see where you had to hold the wood in place to let them do the finer mechanics of this wheel. You can see the piece of wood bending and starting to splinter. No, no, stop, 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 stop. After that, you hear a crank, one crank, two crank, and you see it bending and splitting more. And then you hear Neil look over the side. What? What? What's wrong? It's breaking the wheel. Look up. Oh, shit. Hold on. Hold on. And he starts getting some crew members and they're kind of looking over it. They start inspecting it. And Kothak goes, what's, what's wrong? Can we get the goods up? And Neil is looking over it. Um, we may be able to repair, um, but if we keep going with this much weight, it will break. We go less weight, we can pull up. With this weight, no, not going to work. And Kothak is, hmm. I'm gonna turn to Kothak and ask, do we have any nets on this ship? Plenty. You have an idea? 
yeah, we could throw a few down, like load one cask per net, and then one or, or two people would be able to pull them up. And then we can have smaller weight in the big package and several smaller, like distribute basically the weight. That, that should work. You see him looking up in the distance and he goes, looks like there's a storm heading this way up the channel. We need to hurry then. All right, Neil, get as many nets as you can. We got to move quickly. And after a few minutes, a handful of other crew members have kind of appeared at the edge to give nets to you to like, hang, they're like drooping them over the edge. I will be dealing with the heavy stuff. So I will be basically going down and with Milchen repackaging basically the whole thing mm -hmm. so that we we can pull it up and yeah that's my idea uh, and so i can see what i'm doing i'm gonna be like casting light on the net okay with this that happening, we are currently loading i think kothak would have rallied a couple other sailors who have finished their excavation dive and he sent them down with you can you roll me an athletics check to see how quickly you do this yes i can Damn it, it was almost a 20. 14. 14, okay. Yeah. So over the next, like, 15 minutes, because you're underwater and things move slower than you'd like, mm -hmm. you and the other crew members, along with Milshin, manage to undo the bundle a bit and start loading up the casks in the nets and using the winch to get them up one at a time. One package, two package, three package. At this point, all, the only thing that's left is one more cask of wine and the pieces of the cannons. And as the second bundle comes down and lands at the bottom, or the final drop of the chain, Milshin is swimming down with it towards you. You mm -hmm. start to load up this bundle. And can you roll me a perception check? I can. Yes, thank you. 16. Ooh, I have to open a book for this creature. Oh, no. But the, but the two frisbee shark is not in the book. No, you're right. It is not. Oh, no. I'd say about 50 feet away you see something very, very shiny. It's reflecting sunlight from above, and it's kind of prismatic looking in nature. And then you're looking at this thing, and it looks like a big rock. And with the light cantrip, you can see that the light is kind of dancing off of it, like an opalescent rock. And then you get a better look. Can you roll me an arcana check? I can. I am actually pretty good at those. Natural 20. 25. So in front of you, you see this large prismatic shape. It's kind of billowing and conical. And as you get a closer look, you can see coming out of the bottom of this is this kind of fleshy mass, like a tube, coming out of this big, big conical shell. And you look at it and go, oh, that's a, that's a sea snail. Oh, that's a really big sea snail. And then you look at the top of its head. There are these little antennae, antennae that look like little <gasps> spike balls. It's a flail snail. You mutter that under your breath because of your arcana check. I love them. And you see this titanic-sized snail. It's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure in the game it's considered large, so it's like the size of a horse, sitting on the water mm -hmm. looking at you. And then it dawns on you. Flail snails are famous. They eat treasure, and they are known to pillage shipwrecks because they can smell the gold, the metal, the precious materials. And this one has a very, very, very shiny shell. And it's looking at you. Okay. And it moves five feet closer. It's 25 feet away at this point. Can I uh, throw a couple of gold coins in his general direction and try to hurry things along and make sure we can reach the surface? Yeah, so you look and you see Milshin swimming down to you and oh, grab coins. Roll me a persuasion check. <laughs> persuasion check. Uh, a three. A three. Oof. Yeah. You throw the coins and they glitter and the, the sunlight from above reflects off them a little bit and they glitter 
as they land in the sand, maybe about halfway between you and the creature. And the creature moves 10 feet forward and starts, you see its little feelers with these spike balls are like touching the gold. And then it starts like sucking in the coins one by one. You've just told it you have food. And it's quickly eating up the coins. What would you like to do to speed this up, if you can? I would like... I'm not going to be the one speeding it up. Since I have its attention, I am going to sprinkle coins and lure it away from the winch. And like, drop a coin, swim 20 feet away. Drop a coin, swim 20 feet away. Oh my god. I'm breadcrumbing it. And I'm staying safely out of reach of this creature. She's, She's doing... And just to make it a little bit more appetizing, I can cast light on each coin before I drop it, so it also has a little taste of magic on it. Okay, what skill do you want to put this under? Because I think you can definitely accomplish those things. It's a matter of how well you can distract the snail. Okay, how about... Because I need to kind of keep track of several different things at the same time. Mm -hmm. God damn it, it's not going to be any skill I'm good at. That's okay. She's doing a, ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece piece of candy. Ooh, piece piece of of candy. candy. (laughs) <laughs> have a bite of that, friend, though. Could I roll, uh, like, animal handling on this? Yes, I think that's a good Does it make this. sense? I, I am not good at animal handling, but I don't care. I so. love this idea. It's so clever. 15! <laughs> Yay! Yay! Plus zero. <laughs> 15. You plop some coins down on the ground, away from the package. As you see Milshin, she's swimming down deeper and deeper. She's about two-thirds of the way there. And you see the flail snail, it's aiming its feelers in the direction of the arcane cannons. And you plop a gold coin on the ground and you see one of the feelers look in your, like, tilt in your direction. And it kind of rotates and eats up the coin. And then a feeler looks back towards the ring and then you cast light on the coin and drop it on the ground a little bit further away. And it two feelers look and it moves a little bit further away. <laughs> eats another one. And you, how much gold do you waste, I think, or feed to this thing to get it to stay away? I don't have that much. I have literally 24 gold coins on me and I'm willing to part with like most of them if I need to. Basically, I want to be swimming, not like being on the bottom of the sea and like putting it on the ground. I want to be swimming above it Mm -hmm. so that I am dropping the coins. I mean, it's gold, it's metal, it's heavy, it's Mm -hmm. gonna sink. Yeah, so I like this. I'm gonna roll some d6 to see how much it costs. Oof. Oh no. <laughs> it takes 11 gold coins because some of them, like, oh. it's a little hard to predict how they fall down in the water. Some of them just, you drop it, and the way it sinks and moves, it just goes right to the flail snail and it doesn't really go, like, it doesn't really go anywhere. I'm expensing that with Kothak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and using your gold coins, you manage to slowly lead it away. And on the last gold coin, you see Milshin is hooked it up and giving it a tug, and it's being pulled, the last netting is being pulled up, and Milshin is holding on to the net giving you a thumbs up. Okay, I'm gonna stop what I'm doing and I'm gonna swim to the surface. Have I, is the snail away from the ship or is the snail, I wouldn't It's It's on the bottom, so it's pretty far away. Okay, good, good, good. No, I mean the the, the wreckage. Oh, the the wreckage. You have been leading it away from the wreckage, let's say that, but it was on its way to the wreckage. You guys basically got here just in time. All right. Are there any of our people still in the wreckage? Do I know this? I can't see in the darkness, so I wouldn't. I don't be think able you have any much. way to know that. With checking in, you know some of them have swam up, but not all of them. In this moment, though, what do you want to do? You're swimming maybe like 15 feet above the flail snail. Because Milshan, Milshan could see the snail, right? Mm-hmm. So she can warn them on the surface what's going on. I'm gonna go to the surface, ask them if there is somebody else still exploring the ship, and if yes, I will swim down to get them out. 
Because basically, if there is somebody still in the ship, they don't know that this creature mm-hmm. is down there and might come their way and do horrible things. One thing I will say is because you were swimming above it, it wasn't really aware that you were there, but it just kept noticing mm-hmm. coins and it was like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> as you stop feeding it coins, you notice that, like, as you're watching Milson swim away, you notice that the feelers are kind of pointing in different directions. And you start to swim up. And in that moment, you look down and see all the feelers are looking at you, and the shell glows on this crazy opalescent light. Yeah. And then releases a burst of light and color that's almost blinding. Can I get a wisdom saving throw? Oh, no. Hey there, everyone, and happy Monday. As you know, we have a lot of ways for you to support the show. Twitter, Facebook, etc. You know, the good places to get the latest updates on what we're doing, when things are coming out, and how you can, you know, pitch in. You may notice this week my voice is a little more echoey than usual. I'm in a new room and we're in the process of some house projects, so getting this space recording ready is going to take a little bit. But with that being said... You can thank all of our great audio quality to our editor, Nikki, who's responsible for the cast edits for the show. So follow her as well at Beholder to No One on Twitter. She's the DM, producer, and all-around powerhouse behind the talk show, Beholder to No One. And, you know, all their amazing actual plays. Ioana is played by Carolina, or at PowerWordFU on Twitter, who creates wonderfully fun content on DMs Guild and occasionally does fantasy cartography. If you'd like to support the if you'd like to support the production of the show, we also have artwork and merch on Redbubble for sale. You can find that on our website in the top right of our banner. No cross promotions today, but you know, if you know of a show that is small and could use a boost, well, reach out to us and let them know how we can help. Let's get back to the show, shall we? 21 Natural 19. Wow. Because you rolled a natural 20 earlier, you know exactly what's about to happen. And you close your eyes and look away as a burst of dazzling light bounces off the shell because you've just startled it. And this is its defense mechanism. And you watch as you open up your eyes, you feel a little dizzy. Its shell is glowing with a vibrant green light. Now you realize what got its attention and your green light cantrip. And (laughs) you see around you, there are like dozens of other little fish that were swimming along the bottom that have just flopped sideways and they're all stunned (laughs) while the light is happening. And you very quickly swim away as this thing starts to move forward and just start eating some of the fish that have fallen stunned to the seafloor. After a minute or two, you breach the surface and you see Milshin is holding on to the the netting as it's being winched up um, and she grabs onto the edge of the ship. Are you good? Everything okay? There is a very large flail snail on the bottom of the sea. And you hear Kotha go, oh shit. All right. Um, he grabs a sending stone and he goes, Vapa, get everyone out of the ship immediately. If there's a flail snail here, we don't want it eating anyone. And a, a moment passes. And as that happens, I think we fade away to Riley swimming in the bottom of the ship alone. Oh, man. Oh, man. Riley, (laughs) what would you like to do? I was still looking for the captain's quarters. Mm. That's the reason why I stayed. Yeah, so roll me an investigation check. Okie dokie. Artichokey. This is perfect, because while this is happening, we're going to cut to Zira fucking studying. <laughs> <laughs> Investigation, right? Yeah. Ooh. 16. Okay. It takes you some time. You manage to make your way back 
into the kitchen, which is very flooded now. It's fully submerged in water. You check through the entertainment space, go through the major halls, and don't really find anything much. But after some time, you manage to swim up away from the ship, and you're kind of looking at it, and you see a piece of the ship is covered in ice, and you see a door, and you're like, oh, that's the only door I haven't checked yet. And it's frozen shut with ice as it's stuck to the coral reef. How do I deal with this? I don't know what to do. I'm not a strong person. What do you do? I guess that would mean that it's air bubbled. Is there anybody inside? I'm gonna swim up to where it's iced over and knock. Do I hear anything? You knock. No, nothing. Well, I don't know. There's a flail snail out there. Can I swim around, see if there's any openings I can get through, or? Yeah, roll me a, I don't want to do investigation again. Just perception, I think. I'm also bad at, oh, I'm bad at that anyway, so. Perception mm -hmm. is a 15. So looking at the way it's frozen, one thing that catches your eye is, wait a minute, the other ship was frozen in place because there were holes in the hull. And you start looking at the ship and looking for spots where the ice is kind of caving in in a weird way. And you swim around and as you get closer to the reef, you can see that there is a portion of the ship where there is a hole in the side, but it's backed up against the reef. And with a little bit of perception and swimming around, you can see that it looks like there is a way in, but you're gonna have to swim through almost like a ravine of coral to get to it. Oh, at this point, how long have we been down here though? Just curious, or how long have um, I been down here? You've been down here for roughly an hour. An hour. Um, Maybe, actually, you know what? With the investigation and all the swimming around and everybody else doing stuff, let's say two. I think two hours is good. Two hours? Okay, that definitely influenced that. Thinking that I don't have a lot more time. I've only seen that one guy and he was gone that I should probably try and head back soonish. But since I'm here, I'm going to get up to the ice, like the captain's cabin-ish mm -hmm. area, and cast Thunderwave. Ooh, okay. Um, roll me damage. <laughs> that's, uh, what? 2d8? Okay, that's an 8. So, because you're underwater, and just the way this works, I think you're gonna take half of that. So you'll take 4 okay. thunder damage, but you deal double to everything around you in this instance. What does it look like when you cast Thunder Wave underwater? What it's gonna look like is he's gathering energy between his hands, mm -hmm. kind of like a Kamehameha or something like that in his hands. And he looks like he's trying to compress it, mm -hmm. like super compress it. And then finally he just lets it go and it explodes outwards. Okay, yeah, so as you let go this kind of condensed bit of energy, you feel a, a, you hear a crack of thunder and your ears ring, that's where the damage comes from. You take four thunder damage as this burst of sound erupts from you and you watch as it shatters the ice on the side of the ship and exposes a window that has been broken and shattered in. And you can see that this portion of the ship has a hole in it, just like the kitchen, like it was grabbed and attacked in the same way that the other piece of the piece of the ship was. Uh, well, same old thing. Peek, peek my head through. Hello? Is anyone in here? You can roll me a perception check if you'd like. Of course. More rolls means more fun. Natural one. Oof. Um, so looking around the ship, first thing you do see, there is a man wearing these kind of painted black leather armor. Atop of his head is kind of an ostentatious hat with a feather. This part of the ship, though, is not water sealed. It's clearly drowned or submerged like the rest of the ship. 
and floating in the water, you can see this person. They're wearing what looks to be a very, very, very fancy Emporo uniform. In their hand is a scimitar that you can see some light dancing off the blade in front of you. This is clearly the captain's quarters. You see a large table with what looks to be a map torn about and destroyed. There are odds and ends floating all over this room. And you can see, looking through the hole, that you're peeking in through directly across the room, leading to what you can tell is that chasm in the coral reef that I mentioned is another hole. And this whole room is covered in ice. What do you do? Uh, oh, geez, everything's all scattered about. I could either, there's only one of two things. He's either got something on him or it's near his desk or something. I'm gonna investigate his desk for anything that seems important. You said there was a map also? Yeah. Roll me it's a, a little tattered, though? Yeah, it's very, very tattered. I'm still gonna swipe that. Okay, roll me a investigation check. Man, ugh. Eight. Um, with an eight, you do not find much. One thing I will tell you is that while you're looking through the desk, you kind of pop open a drawer. A bunch of things kind of roll forward and start to float up into the air. One thing that drifts past your face just from the jostling force is a six-sided die that kind of lifts up into the air, and it looks odd, along with, like, some ink pens, pencils, chalks, things like that that kind of just float up into the air around you. We'll take the messed up map and the six-sided dice and actually put the six-sided dice in, like, on top of the map and kind of, like, weirdly enough, just, like, crinkle it even more into, like, Mm -hmm. a ball and then put it in my bag. Okay. And then I'll... I'll quickly go over to him and grab the scimitar. Okay. And I just want to check his pockets. Yeah, I'm not going to make you roll for this. As his corpse is kind of floating in the air, you are floating in the water. You kind of pull the jacket back and you're checking all of his pockets in this kind of very fancy Emporo kind of regalia. And you pull back this leather jacket and you can see there is a, a big wide pocket. And you reach in and you pull out a small leather bound journal. Very, very waterlogged, but it is still here. What would you like to do? I think that's the last thing I'll grab. I'll grab that, toss it in the sack too. I'll swim out to meet everybody else. It's been a really long time. I'm a little nervous, actually. You toss it in the bag. Yeah, you're starting to feel nervous. You haven't seen anybody in a while. You haven't heard from anybody in a while. And you pocket this thing and look at the captain as you're, like, preparing to leave. Get one more good look over him. And you can see that his face is pretty beat up. He was definitely some kind of human fair-skinned, his eyes are kind of cold and blank, and you can see that the scimitar, that, or at least from when you took the scimitar, um, it was stained and it had like black stains on the, the blade end. And you look at his body, and you see there are kind of wounds on him that like, oh wow, those are really intense bruises. That's, that's weird. And you look closer, and they're round and perfectly circular. And in the middle, there's a little hole, like a, a needle has poked in. And wow, That looks like a sucker. And then it hits you. Oh no, it doesn't hit him, please. What's your AC? (laughs) 12. Because you recognize that it was a sucker, you're like, wait a minute. Hole in the ship, sucker. And you look over your shoulder as you realize that along the ceiling of this room, kind of floating up to the top, was a gently wriggling tentacle. Very similar to the one that you saw on the little iceberg. Much bigger though. And it's severed. And you're like, oh god. The cat, and it swings for you, and you duck down out of the way. What do you do in this exact moment? We're in initiative. Exposition retreat. 
you use your action to cast that spell and it takes another swing. As you cast it, you can move twice as fast now and the tentacle whips for you. Oof, that's gonna hurt. Don't say that. No, it's not. I'm gonna die here. I'm gonna die. You take 11 bludgeoning damage as this tentacle, you go to cast the spell immediately and this tentacle just whips at you and hits you and it slams you into the side of the ship. Actually, you're kind of pressed against the captain or what used to be the captain against the back wall as this thing has hit you. You notice that the, the tentacle is an inky black and the suckers are this kind of vibrant pink. And you get you know that because the sucker's right in front of your face. And as you're kind of struggling, the tentacle wraps around you as you're grappled. No. Until the grapple ends, the target is restrained. Oh, what do you do? Fuck. Also, Riley, you are uh, the, the expedition's retreat is concentration. Mm. And you just took damage. Thank you, Johanna. Right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Roll me a constitution save. I mean, oh, dear. listen, I have a DM reflex. Oh, that's fine. This is better for me. Uh, uh, constitution save? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I make it then because I have 12 plus... Yeah, uh, you're good. You made it. Oh, so yeah, you maintain the spell, but you're currently being grappled by this thing. What do you do? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Do magic. Magic it. I, try. I don't have any spell slots left except for like one or two. Okay, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> don't kill Riley. He went off on his own. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm restrained. Yes. Yeah. What's that do? What does that mean? Let's look it up. I don't remember. You cannot move. Attacks I... on you have advantage. Advantage. You have disadvantage on attacks. And dexterity saving throws. And dexterity saving throws. So, what would you like to do, Riley? Okay. Um. Um. Man, I could die here! Ah! <laughs> Nobody knows this is oh, happening yeah. and we cannot come help you. <laughs> okay, because I literally have nothing. I I have nothing to use for real spells. Uh, oh, man, I'm going to cast message. Ooh, that, I don't think that's going to get anybody. It's Not even Papa? Let me see the range. This ship um, is like 100 feet down. Oh, 120 okay. 120 feet. feet. <sighs> okay. I'm gonna give you a direction because of where you are. Left or right? Actually, mm, I think in this instance, you might know where Vapa's ship is, you can point. I was just thinking like, oh, so I went down and which boat did I go to, left or right, first? Because it was split in half, right? Yeah, you went to the second boat. I think, you know what, because the boats are perched directly above the shipwreck, I think you can get a message to Vapa. I feel like that's fine for the situation. I'm gonna die regardless. Let me get, let me get, let me get this off. What's your hit points at? Eleven. Ooh, not good. Oh, God, okay. I had twenty-two because I hurt myself, and then you were like eleven damage. I was like, oh, oh God. You have thunder. You have thunder wave. You have thunder wave. I don't. Uh, I mean, that's gonna hurt me again, isn't it? Probably. I mean, nope. I already, I already cast. I already said I cast a uh, message. That's I'm fine. What gonna... do you say to Vapa? Uh, uh, wait, is there like a limit to the? Yeah. I'll give you two sentences. I think that's fair. Because it's such a short range. Dying? Tentacle? Help, please. Captain's quarters. You hear Vapa go, I'm coming. In this moment, the tentacle's holding onto you, and it squeezes a little bit. What's its strength score? Oh, God, As you take three bludgeoning damage as it's squeezing down. Your turn. What do you do? It doesn't have to roll? 
it's holding you in place. But doesn't that just give it advantage? Look, if I let it attack, you take 2d6 plus 3. Okay, okay. So... <laughs> Wait, I just took damage, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how much damage was that again? You took 3 bludgeoning damage. Basically, it's strength score. Okay, I'm gonna roll my constitution first, because I am I still have that thing up. Oof. Yeah, no. My uh, expeditious retreat uh, disengages. Oh, spell around you fizzles as this thing crushes you, and you kind of open your mouth, and you go blind with a little bit of pain, and then when you come to, you realize your spell is out. Wait, it's This is just specifically a tentacle. That's it. Just yes. a tentacle. It's, it's severed at the end. It doesn't got eyes or anything? Fuck. No, it was flailing around. Okay. Okay, so... I'm going to cast, this is stupid again, but I'll try it. Uh, I'm going to cast Minor Illusion. And on the opposite end of the room, I will create a sound. Oh, in the water? Yes. Yeah, it says you can create a sound or an image of an object. Hmm. If you create a sound, its volume can range from a whisper to a scream. It can be your voice, someone else's voice. What is the sound you're, pro you're producing? Basically, it's going to be... I'm hoping it's stupid, so it's going to be my voice opposite end of the room that says, Hey, over here! Hmm. I think this uh, is going to sure. be a high check because it doesn't necessarily have sensory organs. And it is holding something. Yeah, I was hoping that it had some kind of sound, but okay. As you let this spell out again... Um, you say, hey, over here. It's just kind of still thrashing and wriggling, and it squeezes. Oh. Roll me a nature, or no, uh, yeah, roll me a nature check. Oh, decent roll, though. Nature. 18. You remember reading about this. Maybe in school, maybe it was in, like, a, a pamphlet while you were waiting to get coffee or something from, like, a shop. But someone who was studying octopuses learned that when an octopus attacks and it's defending itself, it grabs onto something and keeps squeezing until it gets hurt. Then it will usually try and let go or flail around and move. At this point, it's looking for something to hold onto and you are that thing. But it squeezed again and now it's your turn. Okay. Again, three points of damage. Yeah, well, you, I, I, before I had you roll the nature tech check, it was three points. So if you didn't already take that off, take it off. All right. Well, then I will cast Frostbite right on it. Ooh, okay. Roll me some dam. Uh, roll me an attack roll. Wait, you have to make a constitution saving throw, actually. Ooh, okay. Fight. What's your DC? DC is 14. I'm rolling a disadvantage because it is just a tentacle. Let me roll to 13. Yes. Okay, 1d6. 1d6. Roll me that damage. Four. So what does it look like as you cast Frostbite? Just freaking out. It's grabbing me, so I grab it. And from my hands, it starts to ice and frost over that little bit that I'm touching. Okay, yeah, so you freeze over it, and it immediately starts to wriggle and flail. But in this moment, it uncurls a bit, and you get released for a moment. And on its turn, I'm going to roll another attack as it's flailing. What's your armor class? 12. 12. Ugh, I rolled a 13. I still have one last spell. I'll use shield. Okay, what does your yes, shield spell yes, look yes, like? Yes. As it's you see it flailing, and it swings for you again. This time you're ready. Oh! <gasps> It looks like it actually grabs me, but then there's like this weird astral projected blue armor that kind of repels it as soon as it almost grabs me. Ooh, okay, yeah. So this armor appears as it tries to wrap around you, and it's like maybe there's some arcane power in it or electricity as it touches, and it recoils in a moment. And in that instant, even or odd? Odd. Ooh, even. Okay. It recoils in this moment, 
And as as it does, you quickly look around the room and you see the form of Vapa peeking her head through the hole. She sees what's happening and starts to swim towards you. You have one action right now. What would you like to do before this thing recovers? Remember, you can move as an action. Yeah, you're not grappled anymore either. You can move. Okay. I will warn you, if you move out of its reach, it will get an attack, but... I know, I'm just like, oh, it's gonna attack me though. I have to say, well, I've got help now, so mm-hmm. I'm going to, yeah, I'm gonna do double dash. I'm gonna get out and use action to dash. Okay, um, so with that speed underwater, you'll be able to make it to Vapa at the edge of the ship, but it will roll one more attack as you get away. This is it. Place roll less than a 12. Three plus five, that's an eight. Yes. Now one last time, even or odd? Odd. A two, okay. Oh. You swim to Vapa and she grabs you and both of you immediately swim away as this thing is still flailing in the ship. And you swim quicker and quicker to the surface. And as you breach the water, how how hurt is Riley? How's he, how's he look? Super bad, he's super bad. So you both breach the surface and Vapa looks and goes, oh my God, are you all right? No, the farthest away from all right. That we can be. We will get you back to the ship. Come on. And you start swimming. Can you roll me a perception check? Oh, no, bro. No, no, no sharks, please. No, I can't. I rolled a three. Okay. So you don't quite see what happens, but you see the aftermath as you're swimming with Vapa towards the ship. It's getting closer and closer. And you just hear a, and you're like, that was weird. And as you do in between you and Vapa, maybe about 50 feet away, you just see the surface of the water looks like it explodes and it immediately freezes to ice as a tentacle manifested in the air. This tentacle manifested in the air, maybe about 100 feet from the water and just plummeted to the surface. And as it hit, it just exploded into meat. But when it did, it froze the water into a little bit iceberg. That's what the even or odd was for. Because if it had teleported (laughs) again, just like the other tentacle, you would have been wrapped up in that when it hit the surface. Oh, God. And yeah, without Vapa to grab you. And Vapa stops and she goes, is that? Holy shit. Okay, come on. We're going to swim you back. And with you kind of on her back, piggyback style, she swims to the back to the ship and they pull you up. And as you're pulled onto the deck of the ship, soaking wet with Vapa, the whole crew has kind of circled around you. Kothak leans in. Are you okay? No, no, I'm not okay. Just shaking my head. What happened? Nope. There was tentacles. Uh, oh, a, a, a tentacle. Uh, I was in the captain's quarters. Uh, and he, I've just, the, I, I think it's the, we should go the, uh, the, 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 this, this. Okay. All right. All right. Calm down. Someone. Get him a blanket, get him some food, um, if we have any spare potions. As soon as, as Kothag stops talking to Riley, Joanna is kind of like scooping him up and like, how many fingers am I holding? Are you okay? Aww. Are you okay? Are you bleeding? Anything broken? Are you okay? Everything. And you have fingers? <laughs> oh my God. We need a healer. We need somebody uh, healing magic potions. Kothak goes, Neil, go, go find Gaspard. I think he's below decks. And I think we can hand wave a bit of this. Gaspar comes from below decks and casts a cure wounds on you to heal you up a bit. And I think that's what, 2d8? Thank you. I'll give you an extra, it'll be 3d8. 
Nice. You regain 11 hit points as Gaspard is kind of going over your wound. Ioana, you see as some wounds from these tentacle suckers are like slowly healed away as his flesh kind of re-knits itself. There's a, still a bit of bruising there, Riley, but you've gained back some hit points. I think we can end it there with Ioana. Are you okay? Oh my God. Holding him and kind of nursing him. Five I'm like I'm like left. carrying him in my arms because I don't think he should be walking. I'm taking him to Gaspard, but just like <laughs> carrying him. Five hit points, y'all. Yeah, so we we fade that off with Yuana kind of cradling Riley like a baby as Gaspard is healing up his wounds. That was a close one. Over the next hour or so, time passes as they kind of collect the goods. Hello, and thanks for sticking around. Next week, we have a special bonus episode for you. Behind the scenes, I have a secret project brewing, as we might have already mentioned, and with our holiday schedules getting messier and messier, I found the perfect time to give you a sneak peek. Instead of our normal TOA episode next week, we'll be doing a world-building session with some of our players. In the spirit of the new year, well, we'll be world-building a holiday tradition in Asperon. Right now, we have a poll running up on Twitter that should be wrapping up by the time this episode comes out, and that will determine the kind of holiday we put together. Is it spooky? Cozy? Maybe it's a new year. Who knows? Anyways, our theme song titled A New Hero in Town was created by Kevin McLeod. We use his work a lot throughout our production, so check out Incomputech Music for more. Our ambient tracks for this episode were created by Sword Coast Soundscapes, which you'll find linked in our episode description. In addition, we also have begun working with tracks from Dark Fantasy Studios. Stay safe, Happy New Year, and I'll see you soon. I can tell you what you all found or what the whole crew found. Yeah. Ouch. One of the crew members found a jewelry box. Inside was a single star rose quartz necklace, along with two star rose quartz earrings. Riley, the dice that you found is carved of moonstone, worth 241 gold pieces. Write it down. Write it down. 241. I'm trying. I'm trying. Your teacher, the black smoky quartz ring that you found was worth 260 gold pieces. The painting found by one of the crew members is valued at roughly 50, 60 gold, depending on the buyer. Each cask of wine, nine of them in total, are valued at 900 gold pieces. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Each of them? No, 900 total for the whole batch. So it's 100 gold per barrel. Actually, actually, you know what? 900 Wait. would make sense because a hundred, um, like a Bottle, a single bottle of good wine is like 20 or something. Yep. Wait, the uh, the ring, the, you're talking about the non-magical ring. Yeah, right? the non-magical ring. Now, the chest. And this is something we're going to go over at the beginning of the next session. When loot is found by the crew, it is distributed equally. Otherwise, it's not a fair ship or a fair party.
the Gilded Lily stands against hoarding of wealth. Everyone here is here because they deserve a fair share. Inside the chest, which was warded by an arcane lock, Vapa was able to dispel it. The crew found a single potion of stone giant strength, valued at 2,500 gold pieces. A single potion of invulnerability, valued at 2,500 gold pieces. And a fourth level spell scroll for a fire shield spell, also valued at roughly 2,500. Yolanda, these were all the items where I was like, oh my god, if you want to drink all of these at once, I'd have a problem. <laughs> or Riley could be strong. Yeah, you would have a lot. I mean... If I had this and I was raging, I would be doing some... I would be like... Mm -hmm. Yeah! <laughs> oh, shit! The, the ring you found from your teacher, Riley, is a lightwave ring carved from a lightwave gem from the Valleys of Ashmore. These gems grow in the Valleys of Ashmore and react to sunlight. They can store power and focus it. A lightwave ring will allow the caster to maintain concentration on an additional spell which the ring <gasps> takes up once a day shit that is huge that is seriously this was huge like someone took a, a pleasure yacht and crossbred it with a military vessel additionally inside this chest is a written bill of sale from the emporo to a noble house called house wind river if either of you would like to roll me a history check you might know that name wind river yep. Okay, history. That's I'm good at that. No, I'm not. Ten. Ten. Twelve. Both of you have heard the name, though you would not expect to find it on a bill of sale from an Emporo ship. House Wind River is a crime syndicate. A noble crime syndicate. Mostly white-collar crime, but they dabble. That's what this chest was. Along with that, you find the parts to repair the arcane cannon. And if I mean, any, I will say though, identify stuff. if any of you would like to hide an item, like no. the ring Riley had, you can make an attempt to do that. Technically, Riley, you saw that light wave ring. Nobody else did. Therefore, if you wanted to try and pocket it and hide it, you could. It would not put you in favor with a captain if you were discovered, but you could. You could. That's hilarious. That's something you can absolutely do if you wish, but it's a gamble. That's a up to Riley thing. It's not up to. Me. I would suggest to Kothak that we keep the potion of invulnerability and we don't sell it. Yeah, that's a that's a good item. <laughs> it basically gives gives you turns you into a bear barbarian for a minute. It uh, yeah, it it gives you resistance to all damage. So basically, our squishy wizards and I I assume also like Vapa and Susanna is a bard, so also not particularly mm -hmm. a sturdy person. So we have some people who could make a huge difference if they could walk into danger and survive it yep. with their squishy person. Yeah, this was a big vessel. Oh yeah, and oh. The, yeah. the casks of wine are from the DeMarco Cortia family, which is on the other side of the mountains. <laughs> Carolina, you would recognize that name. May, well, no, you wouldn't, but I've told you about them. They're, those are the vampires from the winery in my home game. Oh, shit. Yeah. We got some vampire wine. Yeah, vampire wine. We got we got nine casks of vampire wine. Delightful. It's good wine. That's why it's 100 gold pieces per barrel. Or per it's cask. actually, Mike, it's not a lot because a good wine costs 10 gold per bottle. Per bottle? Okay. Yeah. And a cask can hold quite a few of those. Yeah. So, so like 10 bottles yeah. per cask. That's about fair for good wine. Nice. 
Yeah, for like small casts. Yeah, they're that they're you can smaller. Carry with you, okay? Because in my Taldori game, the players actually are currently very very wealthy because they liberated a winery, and there were like those huge barrels like of aging wine, like big barrels, like like the barrel that holds like fifty liters or something, right? right? Mm-hmm. So they are currently like each of those barrels is worth like ten thousand gold. Okay, yeah, so let's say that this wine... Granted, DeMarco wine is good, but it's on this ship probably because it was not expensive and they were cutting corners. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that tracks. That tracks for this crowd. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Ooh. Yeah, so basically they got enough... When they sell the wine, they are going to be selling it on three different continents. Jeez. They found merchants to make deals. And they also involved the, the Rollo family in this uh. to help them manage the oh, stuff. Oh, that's cool. Does it actually get more expensive depending on the continent, right? I, I mean, like, if you take something that is... Because this winery has been shut down for, like, two decades. Ah, even more expensive. Because it was destroyed, the family died, it was taken over by so the horrible wine is, people and, and monsters. So the wine has been second. <laughs> uh, yeah, this wine has been sitting there for a hot second, and also there has been no new supply. So basically, the Summerhill wine, the only wine that was in circulation were very old bottles, and no new wine was produced in the last couple of decades, basically. And now they have those, so they are spreading it across three continents so that they don't flood the market Mm -hmm. and they don't lower the price too low. So Clever. Oh, it's awesome. They have enough wine to basically, they can build a keep for themselves Mm -hmm. with this wine, basically. 